You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. We're still talking about heaven on earth and how that operates You know, Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God wants to move heaven down here. He wants heaven to move on earth in our personal lives, in our families, in our nation. He wants his blessings. Just like I talked about communion, a covenant, the contract that God made, the agreement between us and man was his way, his system of getting heaven, his blessings, his will to be done on earth to show us and just pour out his love on us. He loves us. He wants to bless us. God is by nature good. Let me say it again. By his very character, God is good. He's a judge, so he has to judge fairly and righteously and with holiness, but he's, he's good and he leans towards mercy. He said in the Old Testament, I have a balance. On one end of the balance is judgment. On the other end of the balance is mercy. And he says, I've weighted the scales in your favor. I prefer my mercy over my judgment. That's why he's trying everything he can to get his mercy to us. Everything he can. He wants to bless us. The question is, do we want to be blessed? Because in an agreement, in a covenant, in a relationship, there's, it's a two-way street, not a one-way street. There's two sides to it. He does what he says he does, and we do what we say we're supposed to do. Amen? And so... Um, In uh, Hebrews 6, he gives us two principles of how to influence heaven and how to receive the promises of God in this life, uh, in the next. And he says this in Hebrews 6, 12, in order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards by imitators, or, or but imitators behaving as do those who through faith by their leaning of the entire personality on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. That's faith. Leaning your whole, you notice he says personality. Like trusting God with your whole mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, trusting him with that, with you, who you are. In leaning on him and not leaning on this world or your own abilities. Doesn't mean he won't, doesn't want us to use our abilities and that we don't have a part to play, but he wants us to lean on him. That's faith. Trust in his power. Trust in his wisdom and trust in his goodness. And then he says, and by practice of patient endurance and waiting are now inheriting the promises. We just sung that song, I'm going to wait on you. That's what this is talking about. It's like, hey, through faith and endurance, you will inherit the promises of God. Those two elements, faith, trusting and leaning on God entirely, and endurance, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on until you see the promise of God come to pass. Not letting go, not quitting. And so we're gonna talk about those two things. And next week, I'm gonna give you three elements of how to continue to grow in faith and how to continue to grow in endurance. Uh, But now we're gonna talk about 
just those two elements uh, apart from each other. And so in Luke 137, we're not going to turn there. It says that there is nothing impossible for God. Nothing. I don't know how much plainer God can make it. You know, so many people complicate the word of God. It is not complicated. If you have the spirit of God inside you, the Holy Spirit, he's the one. He said he guides us into all truth. He'll unravel and uncomplicate it, and it just becomes really simple that God said there's nothing impossible for him. Do you know that some of your loved ones over in this grave, it's not impossible for God to raise them from the dead. He's done that before. Well, that's impossible. No, it's not. He's done that before. When Jesus was died on the cross, people came out of their graves and been dead a long time. I don't know how many years some of them had been dead. God's, God can do the impossible. Then he said this, nothing's impossible to those who believe, have faith. That's how powerful faith is. Let me say it again. That's how powerful faith is. I talked about it one time where, that, where a man prayed and said, God, we're winning this battle. We need the sun to stay up. And God stopped the rotation of the earth, stopped it in mid-rotation. The earth rotates around the sun, and he just stopped it where the sun would be up 24 hours. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He had a little boy who was 9 and 10 years old kill a lion and a bear. How many of you would let your nine and 10 year old fight a lion and a bear? None of you. But this nine and 10 year old killed both of them. Then he fought a giant when he was 12 or 13. He was over eight foot tall. His shield was bigger than, his sword was bigger than David. But David won. When all the men cowered, this little boy won. Why? Because when you, this is faith. Faith that can do the impossible. Faith can bring the impossible to possible because God can do anything. God, listen, yeah, that's, he can do anything. And God said, faith cometh by and hearing and hearing. And that word hearing is, is, is a continual word. It means hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. The more you hear about faith, the more you hear about what God can do, the more you hear about the promises of God, the more faith will grow inside of you. We got to hear it and hear it and hear it. That's sitting at Jesus' table, like we talked about in communion. When you sit at his table, he's going to share his life with you. He's going to share faith with you. He's going to share hope with you. He's going to share love with you. These three things always remain, faith, hope, and love. He's going to share all of those with you at his table. And you're going to grow in faith, hope, and love. You won't have a spirit of fear, but you have a spirit of power. In love, in wisdom. You'll just be that God's spirit will be on you of those things as you partake of God's life. And he wants you to grow and grow. And how do you sit at this table? You sit down with the word. The, uh, Jesus said when Satan tempted, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of God. And when he taught him to pray, yeah. And when he taught him to pray... And said, let your will be done on earth as heaven. He also said, give us our, this day our daily bread. That daily bread was, not, was our physical food, but it was also our spiritual food. You want to sit and partake and, and sit at the table of Jesus? Eat the food that's there. The food is the word. He wants you to eat it the way you do the other food. 
You know, I've referenced this before. There was a commercial out for some time that was talking about you are what you eat. And it would show people uh, that ate a bunch of donuts and show big donuts on their butt. It was funny. <laughs> because it's true. You are what you eat. You become, it, you, you partake of it. It becomes a part of you, right? It becomes a part of you. And so when you partake of the word, it becomes a part of you. It, it connects with you, and you're, you can't separate it. It gets into your cells, in your DNA, and you can't separate it. And God said, not only do I want you to eat regular food, I want you to eat this spiritual food that I provide. Someone say amen. And so he's, he's like, I want you to grow your faith. I want you to grow your faith. I want you to grow your faith. Then he says in Matthew 17, 20, we're not going to turn there either just for time's sake. He says this. He said, man, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, no, move. He said, just a little bit of faith, just a little. Mustard seed's the smallest seed, but it, grows a, it doesn't grow a mustard uh, shrub. It grows a mustard tree. It's, it's a huge tree. It's a huge, that little bitty seed grows this huge tree. What is the faith of a mustard seed? A mustard seed is thoroughly convinced what God said about it. What did God say about a mustard seed? You will be a mustard tree. And guess what? The mustard seed believed it. He wants us to believe it when he says things about us. When he says things about us, he wants us to receive it the same way a mustard tree would, a mustard seed does, and say, I am a child of the Most High God. I've been adopted into the family of the kingdom. I'm a citizen of heaven. Matter of fact, I'm a, not only a citizen, I'm an ambassador of heaven, and I don't live by this world's economy, and I don't live by this world's thinking. I don't live by this world's wisdom. I live by the almighty God's economy. I live by his wisdom. I live by his promises, and by his power, and by his strength, and by his courage. And that's how you don't get in the doldrums. That's how you don't get down, but you get up and over, whatever the obstacle. That's how you deal with problems and circumstances that we all face and every human being on the planet is faced. The Bible says there's every, that there, all the problems that we face are common. They're common problems, common to us all. They may take a different shape or a different form, but they're common. We have so much commodity, commodity, whatever that word is, <laughs> commonality. We have so much commonality that we're just, we're just, that's how we're connected. I speak for a living. <laughs> but that's how we're connected is by this commonality that we're just, we just have this human experience. But God wants, to have, wants us to have not just these natural experiences in common, he wants us to have these supernatural experiences in common. And it comes through faith and endurance. Then he says, and we can turn there in Mark 11. Mark 11. It's one of the first faith scriptures I ever learned, ever heard taught on. It was wonderful. I devoured this. I've lived my life on these scriptures. Ever since I was saved at 18, I've lived my life on. This is the first stuff I ever heard taught on faith. Mark 11. Uh, verses 23 and 24. He says this in 23. This is in the Amplified. I'm reading out the Amplified, not the Passion today. Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt, say, no doubt. 
Say it three times. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And he says, it's not doubt of mind, it's doubt in the heart. That means the very core of you. Your mind can't be in doubt. Your mind can't be in doubt if your heart is set on, has faith. Because when you said, to get faith in here, it had to go through here. So you built your faith up in here, and it trickles down right there. Just like your mouth receives food and it goes here, faith goes, th- goes in here and then goes to your heart. So that means it's already, you've already been convinced in your mind that God is a truth teller. You've been convinced in your mind that God is good, he's a truth teller, he has he has absolute integrity, and he, he does not lie. He does not sin. He is holy, and what he says he'll do, he will do. That he watches over his word to perform it in your life personally. You have to be convinced. So he says, listen, uh, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. No, no 50-50, no 75% chance, it will be done. No doubt in your heart. You trust God. You trust God. Then he says in verse 24, for this reason I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. What you say in faith There's things we speak to and there's things we pray about. I don't have time to explain the difference today. Look back on other times I've taught on faith. But there's things we speak to that God says, you speak to it, and there's things we pray about. He said, either way, you speak to it from the heart. According to my word and my will, it'll come to pass. You pray about it. According to my word and my will, it will come to pass too. If, if you pray in faith, if you pray in faith, not doubting, But there's two elements. There's not just one element of inheriting the promises of God. Faith is the first element, but there's a second element. And that second element is is endurance. And go with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Galatians 6, 9. It sums it up for us. This is just one of many verses. We're going to look at two on endurance uh, this, this morning. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint and act nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall, we shall, if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Otherwise, if we don't quit. If we don't quit, we will reap a harvest. Well, pastor, it looks like it's over. Let me, let me just, let me share some Something with you about Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says in Romans, hoped against all hope. Otherwise, he's saying all hope was gone. All hope was lost. It was impossible. For what? For he and his wife to have a baby. He was 100 and she was 90. He said, he admits, my body at, at 100 years old was impotent. I could not even have intimacy with my wife. I, my body was finished. I'm a hundred. And she, we've been trying to have a baby since she was probably 15, 16 when they first got married. She, she couldn't produce anything. Her, 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 her body was barren. We knew Abraham could because he produced from another woman a child. But it was her. She was barren. And she'd been barren the whole time. And nothing had, nothing had changed. She's 90. He's 100. He said all hope was lost. He said, but when I saw, 
I saw with my own eyes, I could sense it with my five senses, there was absolutely zero hope. I had a different hope. I had a hope that comes from, that's supernatural, not natural. In the natural, all hope is gone, it's impossible. But in the supernatural, all things are possible to those who believe. And he said, I refuse to give up that what God promised to do that he, wouldn't, that he would not do. I refuse to believe God was a liar. I believe God was a truth teller, even though all hope was lost. I believe he was telling the truth. And he said this, I believe in the goodness of God. I have an unwavering uh, a belief in the goodness of God. And because I believe that God is a God of integrity and character, perfect integrity and perfect care, he always does what he says he's going to do. And I believe in the goodness of God. I'm not giving up hope, even though all of my five senses in the natural say it's over. It's over. But guess what? Sarah got pregnant. And a 91-year-old woman gave birth to a child. And I'm a, when I see Sarah in heaven, I'm going to give her a high five. I'm going to say, you're not a you're not woman. You're a whoa man. That is, you're incredible at 90. I've seen women at 25 screaming. I, I can't imagine at 90. Way to go, Sarah. I'm surprised it didn't just displace your hips and you won't cripple the rest of your life. 90 years old, think about it. But she did, I'm going to give her a two high fives and say, Sarah, you're you're not the man, you're the woe man. You, you bad, Sarah. Why? Because that's incredible. That's incredible. I'm going to give Abraham a high five too because even though everything said it was over, he said it's not over because God promised. And he hung on. He hung on to faith and he endured. Listen, don't let the problem outpatience you. Don't let the problem outendure you. I've told this story before. Uh, my father was a boxer when he was younger, and so we always watched boxing Tuesday night fight. Budweiser, Tuesday night fights. I'm not encouraging anybody to drink Budweiser. That just was the name of the program. And so, uh, so we watched boxing, and then, you know, uh, he was a boxer. So my oldest brother, Brian, wanted to box, and he boxed golden gloves here in New Mexico. And he was a natural fighter. He was a natural fighter. He could fight. He was good at what he did fighting. He'd never lost a fight that I know of. And then he got on golden gloves, and he thought he didn't have to train. He could just fight. Well, he could. But unfortunately, his, uh, the golden gloves coach in Clovis Decided to match him up with a kid from Roswell. I wish I remembered his name. And matched him up with a kid from Roswell who he knew trained all the time. And so he matched him up on purpose because my brother wouldn't train. And my brother went in there and in the first round knocked this kid down twice. If he'd have knocked him down one more time, the fight would have been over. But the kid managed to stay on his feet. But he beat him up in the first round. Bad. And that kid hung on, man. He did not quit. He kept getting up. And then in the second round, my brother was doing it again. I thought, okay, this, they're going to stop this in a minute. He's, and then all of a sudden, my brother, he's, he drops his hands and starts backing up. And the guy's against the ropes, and he, he backs up, and he just lays on the ropes. Then he turns around and kind of lays over the ropes. He's exhausted. And that guy proceeded to fling my brother around the rest of that round and the rest of the third round. And at the end, when they gave the winner, that kid from Roswell that had the endurance, his hand was raised. And my brother couldn't even, he couldn't even raise, he couldn't let that guy raise his arm. He was exhausted. I mean, he was exhausted. He had no endurance. 
Listen, don't let the problem be more patient than you are trusting God's solution. If you let the problem outpatience you, you will lose. You will lose. You need to, you need to be stronger on the endurance is an inner strength. It's an emotional strength and an inner strength. They have a thing called IQ, which is your intelligence quotient. They also have a thing called EQ, which is your emotional quotient. What do they measure? They measure your ability emotionally to handle stress, handle pressure, handle problems, and yet hang on to hope. And the only ones I know that hang on are those who hope in God because what is impossible for man is possible with God to turn the situation around. And so we got to hang on. I really enjoyed that song, I'm going to wait on you, man. I sung it with all my heart. I'm going to wait on you, God. I'm not letting go. I'm not giving up, and I'm not quitting till I see the promises of God. King David said, I would have lost all hope if I wouldn't believe to see the promise of God in the land of the living. God said, I want to bless you in this life and the next. And so you got to hang on like a pit bull. I said, you got to hang on like a pit bull to God and his promises. And just believe. And just wait. Endure. Finish the race. Run till you, till you get the reward. And I'm going to talk about three things next week on how you get there. But I want to point out this to you too. There's a reason for the process. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Let me say that again because I want you to catch this. This is vital. There is a reason for the process you're going through. Let me say it again. God has a purpose for the process. And he explains it very clearly right here in Romans chapter 5 that there is a purpose for the process and it's all to benefit us. Someone say amen. amen. Sometimes we think we're waiting on God. and We are, but what God is waiting for is us to go through the process in each stage of the process so he can build more endurance inside of us, more strength, more courage. To be discouraged means to have your courage taken away from you. God wants to add courage and strength to us, add endurance to us. And so he says, I have a process for this. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says this, Moreover, moreover, let us also be full of joy now. When are you going to be full of joy? And what is he talking about? Listen, listen to the rest of this. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings. When, are you, when does he want you to be full of joy? Right in the middle of it. Amen. What we are good at in the middle of it is griping and complaining. What we're good at in the middle of it going through stuff is, is being down and depressed and out and frustrated and angry and hurt. We're good at voicing that and acting that out instead of God said, hey, I want you to be joyful in this. And then he explains why. He doesn't say to be joyful in it, that you're, that you're thanking him like religious people get this spirit on them. It's a foul religious spirit. Like God's putting me through all this suffering because he wants me to. No, 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 no. Most of the suffering you're going through is at your own hands. And some of it's at other people's hands. And then some of it's just Satan himself. But God's not putting you through that. What God does is he uses that and turns it around for your good. And he said, you got to start with joy. Let me say it again. He said, you have to start building endurance 
building character. He's going to describe all this here in just a moment by starting by saying, I don't care what I'm going through. I'm going to have the joy of the Lord. He didn't say the joy of the moment, the joy of the suffering, the joy of the situation. He said the joy of the Lord. He said the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of what? What do you have joy in the Lord in? That he, he turns all things for my good because I love him. I'm called according to his purpose. He turns everything around. Even what was meant for evil turns out for my benefit. That's the joy. The joy in his promise that at the end of this, that, that, that I, there's going to be healing. There's going to be this. There's going to be this. We have to find joy in the promise. And we have to find joy in the promise that there's a heaven. And at the end of all this, we spend eternity at the feast. We're feasting. We're having a party for an eternity with God in heaven forever. There's, we've got to find joy in that. We have to find joy in those situations. I think it's the, it's the easiest thing to say and sometimes the toughest thing to do. When you're miserable at work, man, it's hard to find any joy. It's hard, but I'm going to tell you this. That situation's not going to turn around until you do. God has a process. You took that job, and now you're going to go through the process. Uh, it might be a relationship. It might, I don't, whatever the circumstances are, it could be sickness, it could be disease, it could be, it could be uh, uh, financial issues. But I'm telling you, you, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta find some joy in it and the joy is in God. The joy is God, I trust you. And you'll have to fight it. Your emotions will work you over and over and over again. And you're gonna have to fight those emotions and say, no, I'm not giving in to despair or anger or frustration. I'm not giving in to discouragement. I'm gonna find some joy in this, God. If all I can do is lift my hands and say thank you over and over again, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna thank you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you praise. I'm gonna come to church, and I'm gonna lift my hands and worship you. I'm gonna sing along. I'm gonna put on some Christian music, and through my tears, I will worship you. Through my tears, I will praise you. Through my tears, I'm gonna find some joy. I'm going to find joy in it. Man, it's amazing how that changes your whole perspective. I, rem I had a job I could not stand. I couldn't stand it. And I griped and complained constantly to myself. I lived by myself, so I had to gripe and complain constantly to myself. That was even worse. Now I'm hearing it two and three times out of my own mouth. Right? And I just was so frustrated. Couldn't stand that job. So, man, the first chance I had to get out, I'm like, I'm out of here. And I remember thinking all day, I'm out, man. I'm out. I've been recruited by another company, and I'm like, I'm out of this one. I'm on to that one. I'm out of here. And I'll never forget driving into work. I was so happy to be out. And God spoke and said, don't you do it. Don't you quit this job. And I was so angry. Man, I was mad. I'm, I'm, I'm walking through there, and the people who I, you know, I'm usually, hey, how you doing? What's going on? They're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, don't talk to me right now. I got to deal with some stuff here. And I, in my mind, I'm sitting at my desk working, I'm working and doing stuff, and the whole time I'm mad, I'm like, God, I'm leaving. He's like, don't do it. I said, God, I'm leaving. He said, don't do it. I said, God, I want to go. Leave me alone. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'll never, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you alone. I'm right here with you, and I'm telling you right now, you're at a crossroads, and whichever direction you choose is going to make a difference in your destiny. And I'm telling you right now, stick with this job. I got so mad, I got up from my desk, went and got in my car, and I had to drive. I just started driving, griping, and complaining, man. 
mad, frustrated. I ended up parked on the side of a road, and I just broke. I'm like, God, I'm miserable here. I'm not called to this. He said, yes, you are. You're called to this right now. And he said, I want you to find some joy in it. I want you to grow up and mature. I want you to be mature. This is a job. I'm paying your bills, aren't I? Yeah. Paying all your bills? Yes. Keeping you out of debt? Yes. Do you have any debt? Nope. I'm taking care of you. Yes, sir. Do this job? Yes. But I don't like it. He said, I don't care. I want you to find some joy in it. He said, I got a, I got a plan for this job. And if you quit, it's going to change your destiny. And so, man, it took, uh, uh, within about five minutes, I had great joy and had joy the rest of the time. Not true. <laughs> it took me weeks. Oh, it took me weeks. I had to tell that other company no. Oh, it grated on me. But I was going to be obedient to God. Not my will, but your will, Lord. Amen. And that's when you really find out if you're going to do the will of God, when he tells you to do something you don't want to do. And so... I said, no, okay, not my will, your will. I'm going to say, and it took me months to finally find joy. But it's amazing that, it, that when I finally found a joy in that, man, I received promotion after promotion after promotion. I had been mad because they hadn't promoted me already. But once I found a joy in it, I got three promotions in one year. I didn't just get the one I wanted. I got two others. Because God wants to mature us. He wants to grow our strength. He wants us to be able to be like a, he said, be like a good soldier who endures hardship. He said, endure hardship like a good soldier. What do good soldiers do? They buck up. They get up, buck up and say, okay, let's go. Next battle, next round, let's go. I got you. Come on, bring it on. And they grow and they mature and they overcome and they win. I said they win. That's what good, sold, good soldiers win. They don't lose. He said this, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient, uns, unswerving endurance and endurance fortitude. What is a fortitude? It's like a fort. It builds a fort inside of you that you can't be moved by mere emotions and trouble. Trouble doesn't move you. You have a fort. Fortitude is you built a fort inside of you, a fortress of the promises of God, of the goodness of God, of trust in God. And it's a fort around you. He said in endurance, fortitude develops maturity of character. Oh, here we go. He wants to mature us. So we're not moved by every negative and wrong circumstance. And guess what? It was years later that that company promoted me again, moved me to Lubbock. And when I got to Lubbock, God opened up the door of ministry that he always wanted to open up. And that's why I'm standing here today, because I made a decision almost 30 years ago to stay at that job. To stay there until God was finished. And when God was finished, he, oh, he opened up another door. I didn't have to open up anything. I didn't have to pursue anything. He opened it up because I continued to pursue him and found a joy in what I was doing in the moment. That came in my marriage. That came in raising children. That came in pastoring. All of that, that moment defined my future in so many other areas that I've had to learn to find joy and overcome. 
And not let the circumstances beat me down, but allow God's spirit of endurance and fortitude to beat the circumstances back. He said, in endurance, fortitude develops maturity of character. This is what maturity of character is. Approved faith and tried integrity and character of this sort produces the habit of joyful, confident hope of eternal salvation. He said, I got an internal purpose, eternal purpose of what I want to do internally inside of you. He said, I want you to go to heaven. I want you to make it and run this race all the way to the end in faith. I want you to grow up and mature and quit being so selfish. Quit being so self-oriented, self, always looking at what you don't have or what you wish you had and finally embrace what all of God does have for you. Other people might not give it to you, but God will. God will do it. If he promised it, he'll do it. But we have to hang on, church. Through these times in our nation, through these times in the economy, through these times globally, and man, all the stuff that we go through personally and all the stuff we see in the big picture, God wants us to hang on to our faith and hang on to his promise and trust him that he will do what he said he'll do, and that's take care of us. That's move us forward, not backwards. He's moving. He wants us to move with him. Through faith and patience, we inherit all the promises of God, and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, every eye closed here, I, uh, I want to acknowledge those that are online this morning. I'm sorry I didn't do that earlier. Thank you for watching and being there. Hope you in, uh, got something out of this message. I was going to say enjoyed it. I hope there was some joy in it. But more importantly, I hope that there was, uh, that your relationship with God grew today. I love what Matthew Barnett said last week. I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that was a great sermon. I want you to walk out of here thinking that God is great. I want you to know how not only great God is, but how good God is. What makes Him great is His mercy and His goodness. That's what... Moses said, what, 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 what makes you glorious? What, where, what is your glory? And he said, I'll show you my mercy and my goodness. That's what makes God great in my eyes. That's what makes him great is he's good and merciful. And he wants to share his goodness and mercy with us. So you might be sitting here and never have really prayed. And I know people who prayed a dozen times, never really submitted their life to the Lord. There was, there's no lordship in it. Lordship means that, man, just as Jesus gave his life for us, he's asking us in return for that, him giving his life for us, that we give his life for him. It's an, it's an exchange. It's not equal because it was his holy blood and holy life for our sinful blood and our unholy life. It's equal in that we both give our lives, though. We can't give God what we don't have. But we can give Him what we do have, which is our life, our purpose, our destiny, our hearts, our minds, our hands, our feet. He said it's a spiritual act of worship to live day by day 
in honor of God. And we're not, we're not going to be perfect at it. We're, we're not going to be perfect at it. But God wants to teach us to be consistent, that we practice not sinning. We practice doing what's right, not practice doing what's wrong and sitting at demons' tables. But we practice doing what's right and sitting at God's table of life, not Satan's table of sin and death. So, man, if you've really, you know in your heart and mind that you've never really just totally submitted your life, really just gave it all, all in, and said, God, I'm all in. My whole life is yours. Then this is a moment to do that. You're the Lord, you're God, and I'm not. I'm, I'm submitted to you, not my will, your will. And I want you to teach me how that works and how that, how that happens. And he'll teach you. He'll take you through the same process he's taken all the rest of us through teaching us, growing us, maturing us. He'll teach you to walk in his blessings and not just walk in them, but to give them away. To share them. And maybe you have prayed and Man, you just went back and you've been sitting at the devil's table again, the demon's table, partaking of that, and it's just sucking the life out of you, and you know it. Jesus always welcomes you back to his table. The prodigal son's father, the prodigal son was someone who was like that, who had a home and had all the blessings of God, and then ran away and went to the world and did, ate at the demon's table, ate at the world's table. Believe what the world thought and acted like that world. And he came home and his father took him right into the feast, right to his table of life and blessing. So if you've done that, if you've run away, just come home. It's, he'll welcome you in to his table. He'll restore and renew your life. So whether you've never prayed and really submitted to God or you just need to come home, let's pray right now online if you will, just please, right now, send us a message and say, for the first time in my life, I'm really submitting my whole life to the Lord. Or you can put in there, I'm, I'm coming home. Just send us that message. Post that right now. Send that right now if you're going to pray with us. In this room, on the count of three, I'm going to say one, two, three. I'm going to ask you if you want to pray and get right with God in this room just to raise your hand and say, it's me. I need to pray and get right before I leave here. Whether it's the first time or the next time. So send that online and right here in this room on three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Then right where you're seated, online in here, we're going to pray. We're going to pray together. So here we go. One, two, three. Just raise your hand in this room and say, it's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So many, so many hands. Thank you. So many hands. I know we have many online. You're sending that in right now. So as you've sent that, and even if you send that a week from now, you're watching this message or the next day, man, this prayer is just as legit. Don't let Satan talk you out of it because it's not live. You pray. Get right with God. It's live to you and it's live to God. He's there. Whether right now or next week, he's there. And so let's all pray together right now with those online and those here. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Just Humble yourself before God and from a sincere heart say this. Say, God, I believe you are God.
in God alone. I believe you love me. You love us. And you sent Jesus to die for our sins, my sins. And you raised him from the dead. And he's alive. And because I believe that, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and put my past behind me. And I receive right now because of the blood of Jesus your forgiveness. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. You gave my life so I could live in this life in the next. So I give you my life. Teach me by your Holy Spirit that lives inside of me right now. Teach me how to live life and life to the full. The life you came to give me. Teach me how to give life away and to sit at your table. Thank you. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate the goodness of God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.